Hey there, Rerollers, it's your GM Tan here, and I just wanted to jump in and invite you to join us for our birthday party stream live on Twitch. It's going to be February 24th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are going to be playing a one-shot that takes place in the universe of the campaign. This will be our second birthday celebration on Twitch, so we would love for anybody who has enjoyed the show so far or wants to interact with us to join us. You can find a link to our Twitch page in our link tree, which is in the description of this episode and every episode. So without further ado, enjoy episode 105, A Feast in Your Honor. Welcome to the Reroll Gaming Podcast, where I, Tanner Prentice, guide five of my closest friends through an original adventure playing the tabletop role-playing game Pathfinder 2nd Edition. In the world of Rel, five strangers brought together a resistance under the shadow of the Blackreach Empire. Until everything changed. A villain and former lover named Hogoth fractured the planes of existence, ushering in an endless night and an era of undeath. All in the name of an undying dragon, Zarox. Now, the fate of Rel is left to these five adventurers. My name is Ayla, and I play Bo Cantrell, a fallen Asimar and cleric, with Cosmios, the god of fate, as my deity. Hi, my name is Zane, and I play Cinder Lafayette, the halfling investigator with a dicey past. My name is Octavia. And I play Starlet Moonbow. Star, as she's better known by her companions, is on a mission to save her true love, Faya, from the Maiden of Spiders. Hi, my name is Latara, and I play Kiarin Nimone the Sadistic, the Dolel champion of Emin, who yearns for that redemption that is so far out of her reach. I'm Brendan Geyer. And I am Frost your new favorite kobold barbarian. Honor-bound to protect and serve Grat's party. And oath-bound to finish its mission. These five heroes are the last best hope to save Rel, but can they overcome this darkness that spreads under the shattered sky? Find out now on the Reroll Gaming Podcast. Well, entertain us, Tanner. What? Uh, go, jump, jump. <laughs> dance, I'm monkey, on. dance. Entertain us. <laughs> don't. I don't. don't <laughs> I don't know why. I am record. I am like very nervous for this, like batch of recordings we're doing today, and I think it's because we are going to potentially encounter combat, and I'm deathly afraid of immediately killing. Brendan's character again. Every time I kill a character, <laughs> I'm always like, "What if I kill their new character immediately after?" Well, at least they won't be as attached to it. That's yeah, true. I mean, that's true. Yeah, but then you get to the end of the campaign, and you're Although, like, "Remember that couple of days where a kobold was with us and then died immediately?" <laughs> oh, so weird. Never lived up to no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, Grouch would have let him into it anyway. So. Yeah. Although, with a new character, even though you're not, like, attached in the same way, you are, like, excited after making it, so it's still sad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We last left off with you guys attending this feast. Um, and actually, for a little bit of an icebreaker today, what, what is the most, like, lavish event you guys have ever been to? 
like as a participant or like doesn't matter one that I've been working at. Uh, Does not matter. <laughs> that would most definitely be my sister-in-law's wedding. It was a three-day Indian wedding, and it was like pulled oh, all right, the stops. Yeah. It was awesome. That's the one that I awesome. saw three yeah. pictures of, which tracks with another like yeah. <laughs> I mean, depending on what you mean by lavish, I don't know. Uh, like, I've worked gigs where. There was the co like combined net worth of the room is like more than any of us will ever even remotely be able to fathom. Yeah, where like any one part of the show, like a video wall with like 400 panels all like chained together to make a huge screen was worth more than like the entire value of all the catering at all the other events that I've ever been to in my life. Right. So, I don't know. It's really hard to put a metric on for me. <laughs> That's true. OK, fair. Well, we never. I don't, did we did we ever sign an NDA for the uh, presidential gig that we worked? Not the Clinton no. one, but the one after that. Okay. No, only NDA so we I ever signed was uh, that one. Well, you, yeah, <laughs> was that? Hold one. on, hold on. <laughs> which one? <laughs> describe the details that you. I know which describe. one. <laughs> well, yeah, those uh, things, uh, Brendan. <laughs> no, I mean we. Uh, I had to sign it too. Brendan and I worked a, a like fundraiser gig where we actually got to like see Obama, which is pretty cool. He was there at this house on Lake Washington. But um, yeah, that house was ridiculous. They had like the sign from like the Fifth Ave Theater after they retired the old one. They're just like, oh, yeah, we bought that so we could hang it on our wall. And it's like Jesus. just I don't know, it's ridiculous. And then the entire time their uh, their like fucking frat bro son was like yelling at everybody because somebody like chipped one of their stairs on the exterior walkway or something. And he was just losing his shit. Is great nice that's we clearly fun. don't yeah. have the money to fix this right oh you're yeah. gonna have to sell your original fifth avenue's theater sign <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think the most like crazy event i've been to was on account of you zane you got me into a super bowl party when the seahawks went to the super bowl and won it <laughs> right um and it was like I don't entirely remember, but it was like hosted by some app that doesn't exist. It was, yeah, rest in peace, Lively. Lively, right. <laughs> yeah. And it was like this big fucking event with pizza and jello shots and a full bar and TVs anywhere you look. And you had to go there and work. And I just got to go be a drunk idiot. And it was to be phenomenal. fair, I was working and I was also kind of drunk. It was those phenomenal. were those were those were some cool gigs also because it was just one of the uh, times in like the huge long running list of like situations that Tanner and I have been where people were like, oh, they're definitely like a couple because we were like oh, crammed yeah. together on this like big armchair. Right. And everybody was like, like, yeah, so I think some at some point some lady didn't she like she's like, oh, you guys are so cute. I, I, I remember like, something like that. Just like, yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, <laughs> cut back to us like walking, you know, my mom's like uh little tiny chihuahua and like a pink sequin leash down the street in front of like one of the gayest bars in the u.s like, <laughs> that we not... lived on top of yeah yeah like yeah we're not we're not getting around this it's not even worth like buying a hot dog outside of that bar <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh i only worked lively one time but uh like there was one moment like during the show in downtime for all the servers like they all just kind of like departed into the back hallways at once i was walking through and this one server like stopped me right when i walked into the backstage area i was like oh you look like you need a shot and i was like yes i do and took a shot and kept walking and then like 
<laughs> server like 20 more feet around a corner and was like hey you want a beer i'm like yes i do and chug the whole beer and kept walking <laughs> this is the greatest like, hallway ever <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think i ended up taking like three or four drinks by the time i got to the other end of the room i was like that was awesome <laughs> turn around and do it again <laughs> yeah right on put on your fake mustache so that way they don't know right. you <laughs> hello is that a beer you have there? Or maybe I partake. Well, speaking of lavish events and hallways of beer. I didn't get we... to answer mine, but mine are sad anyway, so. <laughs> do you, uh, you want to highlight your sad <laughs> It's just like me being in weird, like, not actually that fancy places, and then being out of place in them. So, like, the fanciest thing I've probably done is Caesar's Palace in Vegas, and that's not even really, like, no, really I mean, count. Caesar's Palace is sweet. And we, we didn't even, like, stay there, though. We just literally walked through it with, a, like, a canned beer, and we were like, wow! <laughs> I, my grandma took me to see the Nutcracker once. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Same. I think I, I think I cried, too. I think it, I think, uh, which I got was, to wear there was a, a scene dress. that scared me, and then we left early. <laughs> Pussy! <laughs> they did the whole thing. <laughs> Well, it was like a bunch of like old people in costumes on the stage, just like yelling at everybody, and that's all I saw is like you know a seven year old or whatever. So I was I like, "This is understand. scary." <laughs> yeah. I think it was like ten. Why is there a giant like, rat? What did I do wrong? <laughs> Whose nuts are they cracking? <laughs> Yours, bud. Yep. Get up, come there. on up. <laughs> well, just like the Nutcracker, you guys are witness to a fantastic, beautiful dance of about six dwarves dressed in all red with ribbons tracing their every movements. And this interpretive dance is played to a somber harp and delicate flute notes as it recreates this horrible scene in dwarven history. In fact, anybody can give me a society check if they would like. I would like. That one. <laughs> I'm too drunk. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. Nutcracker scary. <laughs> the Nutcracker my nuts. Not again. Not again. I have a zero in society, so I'll pass. Okay. Nineteen. Nineteen. Um, my thing is going really slow, so we'll find out someday what I got. Okay. What's like that keep happening? I feel like that keeps happening to you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> like when you say it's slow, is the dice slow, it's or is it just like taking like, a long time to land? No, it's it's really the dice is slow. It's taking a long time to land. It just rocked between nine and nineteen for like a whole fifteen seconds, uh, but I did get nineteen. So okay, god damn, do you have like shaders and <laughs> like ultra graphics? Yeah, what, on? what kind of I graphics card do you have? Can I handle the? the <laughs> I think I have like a thirty seventy. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I do, or thirty eighty. Well, with a nineteen, you don't know exactly what this event they're portraying is. However, you gather with their use of these bright red ribbons and their beautiful silken garb that this is highlighting some sort of tragedy, a massacre of a family by a masked dwarf with a skull over his face. In fact, Volca might lean forward to you and whisper, Yes, the massacre of Obadiah was a great tragedy that led to civil war many, many centuries ago. 
just beautiful and somber. And you do feel that this performance weighs on you heavy, just in terms of the art and the performances by these da dancers and actors. But as it comes to a conclusion and the dramatic finish of these dancers fall to a gentle, somber harp fading behind a lowering curtain, thunderous applause erupts throughout this entire event. In front of the curtain walks Princess Carlea. However, instead of heavy plate armor, she's dressed in a crimson vest embroidered with two fighting rams in silver stitching and a white cloak draped over her shoulders. Despite this garb being clearly less cumbersome, she somehow looks far more uncomfortable in it. Rise, my kin, in Tog's honor, she says. The curtains pull open and the princess takes a knee, as the king, King Ungvel Shattershield, sits atop a replica throne with his crown heavy on his head. He stands and steps forward, and his booming voice, Good evening, children of Brunsholt. Thank you for joining us. We are gathered in honor of the heroism displayed by these outsiders of our fair city. These people are not dwarves, nor have they seen Brunsholtz, yet they braved horrors of undeath and orcan brutality in order to not only rescue one of our brave legionnaires, Lieutenant Edwin Ironhands, but also rescue 36 prisoners from an evil place known as Fort Gravrat. They led these poor souls through harsh mountains, fending off predators and exposure. They arrived at the city without a single loss of life, except for one heroic companion, Groth, the half-giant. Tonight, we honor these heroes not as outsiders, but as kin. Starlet Moonbow, Kiarn Nimone, Bo Cantrell, Cinder Lafayette, and Frost. Tonight, you are our honored guests, as well as citizens of Brunsholt from now until the end of time. Everyone, raise your glasses to the heroes of the mountain. Kiarn will raise her glass, but kind of mumble to the table. He forgot Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And a sea of glasses are raised in your honor, and a cheer erupts as the king says, Now! Let us enjoy a fantastic feast provided, of course, by the Iron Dwarven Trading Company. And in turn, each table is brought a lavish feast over the next hour. Pitchers of sweet snowberry wine are frequently passed around with the fir first plates of sautéed hamstroom glazed with a pine sauce and sourdough drizzled with melted goat cheese. Earthly and succulent, nicely offset by this wine. But where this affair was once delicate and regal, it has now turned a bit savage and exciting. Thrumming drums and low horns underline the chaos of a dwarven feast. 
ale flows like the Tybalt, and before you can finish a dish, the next course arrives. One of sliced lamb and mashed potatoes smothered in thick sausage gravy, hearty and filling and accompanied by a glass of dark, smoky whiskey. Even Volca himself seems to be embracing in this frantic consumption of the occasion. Finally, after an hour of courses, meals, seconds, thirds, ales, whiskeys, wines, and belches, a sugar-sweet spiked sweet cream is served in a surprisingly delicate silver dish in the shape of an egg. As if mirroring this delicate nature, the overstuffed dwarves slowly calm themselves, savoring every bite of this sweet dessert. The gentle harp string returns underlying this quiet me meal. Eventually, as the clanging of silver and the sighs of satisfaction dwindle, the princess walks back on stage. Thank you, heroes of the mountain, for your bravery and courage. And in honor of this heroic deed, we will remember your actions right here in the Museum of Dwarven History. And she reveals an exhibit, an exhibit that is a massive painting that must have been done rather quickly. A painting of all of you, including Groth, leading these prisoners through the mountains, a dragon overhead and an orc fort behind you. Now it's not entirely accurate, and it seems the artist has taken several liberties, but it is beautiful nonetheless. On that note, is Cinder represented in this painting? Yeah. And if so, is she represented well or like ambiguously enough where it would be tough to tell? It's, I think you find that it resembles you well enough, but you're almost painted more in a dwarven stature than a halfling. Okay. Did the artist also leave Shaq out? <laughs> the artist has painted Shaq. However, Shaq looks like a monstrous giant. Though he is a large creature, again, the artist has taken some liberties. What's wrong yeah. with me? <laughs> <laughs> you just, you look like yourself. However, you have this brilliant, radiant glow at all times in the silhouette of a halo over your head. And a large handlebar mustache for some reason. a large <laughs> giant <mustache>. nose. <laughs> well, since you're telling everybody else, you better tell us all of ours. What's mine? Let's go. Star, you resemble a rogue in its truest form in nature, though... Clearly, this artist has never drawn a kitsune before. You are depicted on all fours with a bushy tail <laughs> at the end. <laughs> so when they described, when they described like her to the artist, he just was like, "Oh yeah, they're dog, right?" Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> Star's just a dog in the. Paint. <laughs> it also seems your shade is kind of lighter gray, but you think that might have been a tone to make you stand out from the snowy background. What does Groth look like in this painting? 
Groth is a roughly the size of a frost giant, exagger exaggerated height and weight. He wields two great axes in each hand, and his mask is intricate with four with two sets of ant antlers, uh, rather than a single set. Nice. Yeah, like Frost will just like walk up to that Groth representation and just kind of put his hand over his heart. <laughs> Frost. You look like a lizard. <laughs> Whether that is accurate or not is more or less up to you. Kiarin, your tattoos are accentuated, representing your sort of exotic otherworldly form to these creatures. But you are depicted as sort of the standard elf, where you are probably more muscular than it appears in this painting. Here, you are tall and slender and elegant. Does, um, does, would Kiaran feel that that, like, representation diminishes her character, or, like, are you kind of happy to be not represented as the way that you feel like you always are perceived? Uh, I don't think that she has any strong feelings about the, her muscles not being shown uh, I think that she wishes that they didn't do up her tattoos as much as they did they're definitely not a part of her that she likes yeah, I think Star around this table that we're sitting at will kind of lean over to uh, Kiaran or whoever's closest and she'll be like they couldn't have asked us to sit down for the painting I think <laughs> I I don't walk on all fours like that. Not not often anyway. Sometimes when I have a scratch that I really can't get with my uh hands. Your hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's intended to be an honor. Maybe the artist was not as good about that cuz they don't know us, but the thought behind it. I think when the like Oh, yeah, go ahead. When the painting come out comes out, Bo's like taking a drink or something, it's just like <clears throat> and just like <laughs> coughing for the next five minutes and <laughs> like Cinder just kind of grumbles into her mug or chalice or whatever. She's like, Well I just had been left out all the same. Until she's kinda irritated. Yeah. So I was like, well perhaps the group around us is drunk enough that they won't really remember what we look like anyway. <laughs> I just hope it reminds them that there can be greatness in those outside of the dwarf line, including as well as the dwarves. Indeed. As the applause dies down to this beautiful painting, whether accurate or not, the princess clears her throat. <clears> throat> now, please enjoy the rest of your evening. Drinks will be provided for the next few hours. Stay safe and praise Tog. And she gives a bow as the concert continues its rhythmic beat, and she leaves the stage. How do you wish to enjoy the rest of this evening? Play Frost is going to do what he always does, play security, just kind of, I don't know, circle the border of the room several times throughout the night. Play nice with everybody he comes across. But... Okay. Um, I think Star would probably... <clears throat> um, you know, have a few more drinks and I think she'd want to um, do some performing of her own see if she can't make a little coin for us sure, <laughs> sure um, 
Okay. We'll come back around to that. Um, Cinder, Bo, Kiaran, are you sitting at the table just drinking through the night, waiting for everything to die down? Yeah, I think um, Cinder, like, is kind of retracted, but then at some point, even maybe after she's gotten a little more drunk, uh, somebody, you know, somebody comes up to, like, talk to her, and she kind of just switches gears and maybe disappears and mingles for a while, but then eventually does return to the table. Okay. Bo, Kiaran, what are you doing? I don't know, just hanging out. Okay. Uh... Kiaren probably is just staying at the table and drinking and staying close to her friends as best she can. Uh, when Cinder leaves, I think she does kind of track Cinder's movements. And I think you see Cinder mingling with a older dwarf businesswoman. In fact, Cinder, you as you are mingling around a woman you're well uh, you're aware of, Julie Hornstone approaches you and uh, she comes up to you and is like, uh, Cinder, Cinder, it uh, has been quite some time. I have heard murmurings of uh, your recent accomplishments, but I must say, quite a fantastical display you have here, looking up at the painting that's displayed. Yeah, Cinder returns, like, a bright smile to her and says, Ah, Julie, it's... I've been meaning to call upon you. It has really been too long, and I know it's quite the elegant display. I feel as they have taken a few liberties with my visage, but that's fine by me. Yes, quaint, quaint, yes. Anyway, on to business matters. Um, I understand that uh, Senior Representative Waltz had made an offer to sponsor your group's incursion into Subterranea. It seems for once the council's trajectory is aligned business and worker alike. Yes. <laughs> Quite unique of a situation. I am going to, in fact, act as your sponsor for such a thing. Um, do you know when your group is going to leave? Do I know when our group is going to leave? I don't know. Uh, I think we talked know. about leaving. No. I don't know if you know. Ish, but... We don't know if we know. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody's... I don't think we've talked about it in character. Okay. I just assumed it was like a, a couple days, maybe like three at the most. I, that's I mean, we're probably, probably just wrapping yeah, wrapping it up here and getting going, so... Okay. Yeah. I, I suspect that it should be soon. Three days' time at the most. In the meantime, is there anything that you need from us? Any information... Yes, I would like to be rather clear, actually, on the expectations that the IDTC has for your excursion. Um, but those are things we can cover right before you set off. Keep it fresh in your mind. I will have all the preparations done tomorrow, and I will be ready and waiting. I think, um, despite our relationship, I think Cinder wants to take this opportunity to try to make an impression on this woman. Okay. And um, basically, like, sort of maybe even take her aside and just say you know look I understand from a financial perspective this is not a grant this is an investment and I I intend to make it one worthwhile for your sake for the Iron Trading Company and for my own give me a diplomacy check to try and make an impression okay 
Um, diplomacy. Diplomacy. I had my mic muted. You fucking beat me to it. (laughs) Uh, 31. Okay, so over the course of 10 minutes conversing with her, you, you see her attitude grow from friendly to helpful in terms of mechanics, and she says, Look, Cinder, um, there's something you should know. Something's going on at the company. It seems that whatever this... Whatever has brought the sky to such a terrible place on the surface has affected other things. There's a panic amongst the higher-ups. I'm not entirely sure why, but it is severe. And on top of imports and exports practically stopping altogether, the company is worried about its future and its current investments throughout Rel. You have bargaining power in your hands, especially if you return from Subterranea with knowledge of the Goldbeards or any civilization that could potentially be traded with. The city is growing desperate. Cinder like thinks about this for a moment and says yes. Well, as you said, it's a rather unique situation that would have all of the High Council's representatives allied. A little bit too good to be true, as it were. But yes, I understand that keeping this city moving, keeping the gold flowing, is the best chance that we have at staving off whatever it is going on on the surface world. So, Julia, as always, I'll have your back so long as you have mine. What a fruitful partnership this will lead to. And she cheers as you. Tink. Yeah. Consider obviously returns the gesture with a warm smile. And Kiaran, you don't catch this in terms of exchanges, um, in terms of what they say to each other, just based on how loud, how crowded it is. But you do see Cinder mingling. And I think probably what you pick up too mostly is just, especially in that first moment of Julia or of her basically getting up to go mingle like she switches gears really hard and it's almost like just she changes her personality in an instant yeah I didn't think I'd hear it but I am curious is Volca still at the table? yes she, Kieran will kind of move closer to Volca and be like how about you uh tell me about some of the big players around here you seem important let's uh start with Cinder's friend over there Oh, yes, that is Julie Hornstone, a quite an accomplished businesswoman herself. She uh, is a project manager over at the Iron Dwarven Trading Company. Um, in fact, you have met many of the big players at the council meeting, but that man over there, I believe he attempted a show of strength uh, with you and your kobold friend that is gunther the stone rock runner a respected athlete among the city one of the best stone tossers to ever play this sport over there well that is uh 
Lord Wendell Shattershield, and he gestures towards a elegantly, if not embarrassingly overdressed dwarf who is clearly intoxicated at another table. He's like, somewhat of an out-of-touch cousin of the Shattershield family, a bit of an embarrassment to Carlea and her father. And over there, as you can see, and you see Starlets, and Starlet, why don't you give me a performance check? Please hold for the next three to five business days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm using one of my rerolls. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty-one. Okay. Over there, and you gestures towards Starlet, and you see Star. Well, Star, why don't you describe to me your performance here? Um. So I think Star is probably just doing what she does best, sharing tales of her travels um, out towards the city of Ellen and uh, even the, what was it? Was it the Dragonfire Isles? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, so sharing stories of her travels, uh, you know, deep blue waters sparkling and pirate ships and thievery and you know, maybe she leaves out the giving back to the uh, poor and stealing from the wealthy, but, you know, still fantastic tales. Uh, and just making, you know, broad gestures. Everyone around her sh should be pretty just, like, enticed with this, but, yeah. And Volka says to you, Kieran says, Approaching your friend there is Jess Lighthand. She was the lead of the Red Flame who performed the dance we saw earlier, a tragedy of Obadiah's. And this woman dressed in this beautiful wet red silk approaches you, Star, and says, I am quite fascinated with your tale. Do you mind if I interpret it? Star, I think, eyes kind of sparkling. She's like, oh, yes, of course, that would be lovely. And this beautiful dwarf pulls out one of these red silk ribbons and does this intricate dance. And it is impromptu and it is not perfect, but it gathers quite a bit of attention and even the harps begin to play in tune with it as you regale this crowd with a story. And at the end of it, uh, another eruption of applause as this large crowd has gathered to witness this. And as your performance comes to an end with this dancer assisting you and the harp strings behind joining in, a crowd that has gathered gives you another applause and you see that a lot of the people in this small crowd that you have gathered are dressed nicely but modestly. In fact, one stands out to you that's a halfling that's dressed in this fair linen dress that reflects adequate craftsmanship. but seems slightly too big and is outshined by the sequins and silks that you have seen throughout this party and the lower class attendants of this feast have kind of been drawn to you like a magnet perhaps perhaps they know of the tale of starlet moonbow or perhaps they're just caught by it 
But as things start to wind down and folks begin to leave, Volka stands and is like, Well, <clears throat> it is time for this old dwarf to retire. Yes. Actually, sorry, before things wind down too much, when he kind of starts winding down on pointing out people, Kiaren did also want to ask him, uh, she'll say something like, uh, Well, I do appreciate you helping me get the lay of the land. One more question, if you don't mind. Um, of course. Has the king broached the topic of Shaq to the assembly? I believe that King Shattershield is speaking with his advisors and such. Um, we spoke briefly after the council meeting earlier. Uh, do not worry, Shaq will be taken care of. He'll be taken care of. <laughs> I don't know that he would want to, but I, I can't bring myself to just abandon him, so I would like to offer that he come with us if he wants. That is your personal prerogative. Provocative. They would, al prerogative. They would allow him to come through. Provocative. <laughs> <laughs> they would allow him to come through with us. I believe such arrangements can be made. I don't see why not. I appreciate your honesty on the matter. Yes. Now, if you'll excuse me, I do wish to speak to one of your companions before it is too late. I have to take a wicked shit. I have this rack of goaches really moving through me. Also, I had a lot of cheese, and I am very, very <laughs> allergic to it. Not as I'm plugged, if you will. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Moonbow, may I have a moment of private counsel? Um, yeah, sure. No. And I will, and I guess to wrap up that whole thing over there, I think Star, did, did anyone leave any money for her or no? Uh, sure, yeah, we'll, uh... Let me roll a dice. Yeah, you get 24 gold pieces. Okay. I think... Star... is, uh... just for the end of this, and she's like, Have any... Have any of you heard of any of my tales? And she's, like, looking more towards the group that's gathered that's, you know, from the poorer side of town. You don't see any hands go up, except for that little halflings as she raises. And she'll, like, wave her on up. She's like, come over here, dear. This sandy blonde halfling walks forward and is kind of abashed and embarrassed amongst this crowd, and she just says, uh, hello. Uh, my name's Bean. Um, I actually, my, my sister, she, she lives in Blackreach, and we used to ride each other pretty often, and, and, uh, she had tales of a starlet from, she was a pirate, uh, uh but, uh, in her tales, she, she said, that you were cat folk, but you don't seem to be. But it must be you. The ta she told me the exact story you just told. It, it, it must. So I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Star will kind of, you know, toss her head back and give a hearty laugh at that. She's like, "Well, 
Uh, she's not wrong. I I was catfolk, um, but this. But I got better. Yeah, I got better. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> the sky has changed many of us. Uh, me in more ways than, uh, well, most of my companions. Um, and she'll kind of not like kind of holding on to this little girl's hand, like because she took it. Um, and I guess I'm not sure. Is she a little girl? Is she like a teenager? Is she an adult? Like she's is she, like, like a younger. She's probably a uh, early twenties, late teens. Okay, so she'll kind of hold her hand gently and everything, and she's she'll take a steep bow with everyone around her, and she's like, "Thank you very much for enjoying the performance, but I must bid you all good night." And uh, she waits for them to disperse a little, and she'll kind of go back to talking with this halfling, and she's like, well, if you know anything about my stories, you know that we always give back to those who need it most, and she'll pop, like, ten of those gold coins in her hand. Holy she's shit. Like, <laughs> she's like, write your sister back. Uh, and while I do love the outfit, buy yourself something nice as well. I haven't... I haven't heard from my sister since all this began. If you, if you ever find yourself in Blackreach, look for a, look for a Blossom Proudfoot, and just make sure she's okay. Thank you so much. And Star will. Um, I'm going to the strip club with this. <laughs> Fuck yes, <laughs> say that. No, but Star will uh, bow her head as well, and she'll say, "On my honor, I will." If I come across her, I will tell her that you miss her. <clears throat> Excuse me, young halfling. May I steal Miss Moonbow for a moment? Yes, Master Volka, of course. And she takes her handful of gold and just <laughs> kind of squirrels away. Miss Moonbow, um, please, a moment of your time in private, if you will. Yes, yes, I suppose I can step away now. <clears throat> That young halfling is more perceptive than I think she understands. Uh, I under I am under the impression that you were not always Kitsune. No, um, I actually am catfolk. I originate from the Dragonfire Isles. I was part of a tribe there. That is quite interesting. Do you know the history of the Kitsune at all? Not, not very much, if I had to be honest. I may have heard of them here and there in my travels, but I <laughs> never expected to be one. Yes, I, I am not surprised that myself the Kitsune are not from this plane of existence. They hail from the astral plane. Uh, when I was much younger, I had journeyed there with a group of adventurers, much like the friends you have, into a place called the Arcane Forest, a wondrous place filled with crystals of indescribable magical properties. But there was a Kitsune there, Miasma. He was the defender of that realm, and... His people hail from it. I believe 
Miss Moonbow, that you are connected with these magics. I believe you have the power of a planeswalker lying dormant inside you. She kind of ponders this for a second and she's like, You know, I hadn't really thought too much into it, but now that you speak of it, I do have some odd uh, talents now that I've changed. Um, I can send lightning out of my fingertips, and it's quite scary sometimes, but very, very cool if I had to be honest. But it, it does feel a bit like there's something reaching to get out inside of me, I suppose is the best way to put it. Yes, I imagine so. It will take patience and control, but Miss Moonbow, I believe the power inside of you is innate, and I believe that you can learn to harness this. But I ramble on. I must... I must retire for the evening, I'm afraid, and you should as well. It'll, a long journey awaits you and your allies. Let's think about what I said. I shall, and, uh... I know we don't have much time before we leave this wonderful place, but... If you come across any writings or things that might talk a little bit more about it, I'd love to borrow them or buy them from you if I could, because who knows when we'll be back, but thank you again. I very much appreciate your time. He gives you this coy grin, as if he knows something that you don't, and he just says, Perhaps the answers will come to you in your dreams, young child. But, if you ever wish to talk more, my tower is in the royal district, and you're more than welcome. Good evening. I think as Cinder kind of wraps up her conversations and returns to the group, I think she probably... I think she's kind of, like, finding companionship and, like, Frost's energy here. Just kind of, like, taking the back foot, and she kind of wishes maybe she could do more of that. But I think she's going to, like, approach Frost at some point with maybe a fresh drink or something and kind of look out of the crowd and just say, uh, So tell me, kobold... What do you see out there? What stands out to you? Sorry, wait. Are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my bad. I was reading something. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's all good. Nothing. You, nothing stands <laughs> uh, out. Yeah, Frost is nose deep in a book. I can do that with my eyes open. <laughs> back, yeah. What, what have I seen as I've walked around? I've, I've had my eyes kind of in all directions, but primarily toward the center of the room. Yeah, mostly he, she's just like curious from like somebody taking on like kind of the, from the security perspective, like what sort of like things Frost would be looking for. Yeah, Frost, give me sees. give me a perception. Can I make a perception too? Since I'm also trying to see what I can see. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, twenty-eight for me. Okay. Thirty-three. Okay. So as you guys are scanning this area, um, you notice a couple things. Number one. And Frost, Frost, Cinder, this is probably at least a little familiar to you, having spent a little bit of time in Bronzehammer, but Frost, again, this 
is far different than most of the nobility events that you have been to in terms of there is obviously lower cast of people here. In fact, it seems like a relatively even split from people coming from lower income levels and people coming from vast, unobtainable wealth. But with that being said, they've all kind of grouped up in their own subcategories. Obviously, you see what you determine to be bankers based on where senior representative Waltz um, is. There are soldiers, there are laborers. Um, and you notice that even though they're all attending this feast, those groups very seldomly eclipse in terms of social systems. It's like this intricate, unspoken hierarchy. One thing you also know, and I think you know this entirely from a guard standpoint, is despite the king giving a lavish speech on stage, he has been nowhere in this feast. He showed up, he was guarded, and then he left. And Cinder, I think you kind of connect the dots there of this dance that happened er earlier, this the tragedy of Obadiah. Um, it was actually about a regicide and an assassination of a royal group, something you have heard about. And since then, the king has, and that was 500 years ago, but lesson, it was a hard lesson for the city to learn. And and that was when the Goldbeards kind of split off and headed underground, right? Correct. Right. The, that uh, massacre, as well as the resulting several years of civil war and terrorist activities. But one other thing that you notice, Frost, and I think you uniquely notice this in terms of knowing what it's like to guard someone, Edwin Ironhands has been on guard uh, next to Princess Carlea the entire event. But he's not interacting with her like a guard would. He interacts with her like somebody who is in love. They share slight whispers back and forth, but it seems like as far as the princess's efforts go, she is trying to remain regal and mind her manners at this event while Edwin is having a rougher time covering his emotions and actions. Yeah, I think I'm going to turn to Cinder and I'm going to say he's uh, not sure how the uh, regal bloodline is passed on down here, but she's up to be queen next, yeah? One would assume at this point, yes. How is a king named the queen is the successor. Uh, you would know... Th why don't you give me a society check, actually? <clears throat> me? Yeah. Okay. I am an expert in society. Okay, I'll give and it I to you. I would like you to consider that yeah. because I just rolled a twenty, a class of 20. I'll, I'll give it to you as an expert. Um, and <clears throat> this is kind of your... To know things about the council and the king is your whole deal. The... Six, uh, succession line is hereditary. However, every new 
rule every time the crown is passed it must be ratified by a majority in the council if the queen becomes uh is crowned um if carlea is ratified and crowned regardless of her spouse they would be a king regent but their power would be entirely limited it would be mostly the queen's uh rule so Frosty, you're trying to determine whether or not Edwin stands to gain any, like, political power if he... if, if Queen Chattershield becomes Queen Chattershield. Uh, that and was going to, like, just pass that tidbit on to you, like... Tongue-in-cheek, sort of. Getting a, getting a real seat on that. Or, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A way to win I leverage think, uh, with Carlea before she's ever queen. Going for right. mustache and I think <laughs> well not anymore he had it hacked off by a zombie but you that's know, true it, it'll grow back um oh that's actually something i wanted to mention i totally forgot of he is now completely clean shaven to give his sort of right. beard another and to just kind of probably put that trauma behind him that makes sense um yeah i think uh cinder kind of laughs at this observation and just says uh well you're much, pro, much more perceptive than one would think. But yes, that is something that I think the royal court cho- chooses not to discuss at length. And um, yeah, as she's kind of looking out to the rest of the crowd too. And says, uh, <laughs> you're looking at this social engagement from much more of a pragmatic standpoint than I am. But and she kind of like takes a big gulp of her drink and says, I think from my perspective, social gatherings like this make me nervous. They're gold mines of information, and that can be a very good thing or a very bad thing, depending on who's exploiting it. And you can tell she's kind of like just scanning the crowd and trying to see like where the targets are, who's too drunk to like maybe be trusted with information and just trying to like assess if there's any other players that might be kind of doing the same thing that she is. But from your perspective, Frost, I suppose our goals are one and the same. Identify the weak points. And I think at this point, like some rich dwarf, like stumbles past, like way too drunk. A little bit. You guys (laughs) seen the show? (laughs) (laughs) Identify the points that can be exploited and try and show up the defenses wherever appropriate. She kind of like finishes her drink. Sufficiently important information is a very, very dangerous weapon. I agree. On on that I believe we see eye to eye. And as this feast begins to wind down and the majority of dwarves have trickled out what is next for your group? I mean, if, if the evening's wrapping up, truly, I think Cinder would probably take her leave and head back to the Dark Iron Inn if there's nothing else to wrap up. Okay. Obviously extending the invitation to the rest of the party if they would like. I know there's options, but that's where she's going. Like Frost, uh... I will join you soon, but... I think I'll stay until 
at least the royalty is out out of the room. And I think in a show of deference to Cinder, we'll give him a firm nod and just kind of like, again, take one last glance around who remains in the room and just say, keep a sharp eye, Frost. Something's just under the surface that doesn't quite make sense here. Everybody's a little too on edge right now. I agree. I don't think it's just a threat outside. And I think that is a good point, and I think both of you realize that. There is a lot of tension under the surface here, and where this feast was a magnificent display celebrating heroism and courage, there is an aura of fear in the air and uncertainty. But the night passes uneventfully. The royalty exits, as well as nobility and all the rest. Is everybody joining Cinder at Dark Iron Inn? Yeah. At that point, I will, yes. Yeah. What was the other option that was presented? Um, was it from Edwin? Edwin's yeah, Edwin's uh, or something? His uncle, uh, uh-huh. Benrick Ironhands offered for you guys to stay at his house. Oh, okay. He admitted it he would be make a little some cramped good... with the children. And... He did make some good breakfast. He did make some good breakfast. <laughs> That's where we're going in the morning. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't know you were going to come. I didn't... I... Okay. Table for seven, <laughs> food, please. Food, food, food. Food, food, food. <laughs> we're just sitting on the... Yeah, slamming the... <laughs> his, his young children join you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Star's got like food crawling on her. She's like, food, food. food. <laughs> oh god! Cut uh, to him running down the street. <laughs> I think Karen would follow the rest of the group wherever they go. But um, as we're walking back, she would kind of turn to Star because, like, it was I think the first time she's really heard some of Star's stories of her travel. Sure. And be like. It seems you've been on quite a few adventures since before we met. Ah, uh, yes. I, uh... I... was, well, <laughs> a different person back then. I, uh, did a lot of traveling and fighting and stealing and all all other manner of things. That was before I met Faya and we had a peaceful little life in the Feywild for a time. And, uh, well, her disappearance is what sent me on the path I am now. I I guess I'd never really had the chance to tell you much about any of it, but... Yeah, uh, let's just bit... say... Oh, you go ahead. Everything's been a bit non-stop since we met. Indeed. Uh... uh. If you're um, nearby, definitely feel free to join in. Okay. Are you... Yeah, I we're all in a group a walking, I assume. Thing. So I don't want to um, step in yet if you're not done. But Okay. I mean, I guess to help tie this part off anyway. Um, well, if you... Um, I mean, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. I... Got plenty of things kicking around in this brain of mine, but yeah, any time. 
I'm always willing to answer and chat a little bit about my my time on this uh, plane, anyway. Well, it wouldn't hurt to lean on your experience. Indeed, though I am still getting used to this new body of mine, not quite as agile as uh, my old one. But I have learned some interesting things, even in the last evening. But we'll see how those come to pass soon, I suppose. Um, Bo's in pretty good spirits, like being full and, you know, drinks and just kind of, this has been a pretty good night. Like, usually we're, like, camping in the fucking cold and, you know, always on the move. And I definitely so. want to highlight real quick how good it feels to be warm and indoors. Yeah. Like, uh, to Bo's point. Um, so Bo kind of, like, walks up and puts both of his arms, like, around both of you, kind of, like, interrupt- not interrupting, but, like, going right between you guys because you're probably walking together, and wraps his arms around, and then he's holding, like, a small pouch in one in front of Star, and then the other one is this, like, red leather-bound book, and is just, like, you know, kind of hug, but also offering <laughs> these small gifts- and um, if you take them, which I imagine you would, um, Kjarn's is like this leather book that's like, it doesn't like any, it's it's definitely pretty, but it's not like outstanding. It's something you could have probably gotten in the shops or something. And um, he says, for you, um, I figured this might help you maybe learn healing a little better. I, I know you probably noticed I have mine. And it, it's kind of it looks similar to the, his uh, book that he always is writing in and everything. Um, and inside the cover it says, Kiaran the Redeemed. Um, the light cannot exist without the dark. And so it's, nice. and it has like a couple like handwritten notes of like, of just advice and how to get started with like trying to heal and be a healer. And for Star, it's like a small uh, velvet, dark, little black pouch. And, on, and when you take it out, it's similar to his rosary, but it has like kind of a rainbow of different stones. And then a couple of his river beads that are from his. And then on the very bottom, there's like a little charm of a cat. And he's like, to not forget where you came from. And um, so... And he's like, find me later, I have something to show you. For yours. I think Star, before you get the chance to pull away, she'll take it from me and she's like, oh, you shouldn't have. Um, and then when she sees it and everything, she'll kind of like stop and I imagine you almost run into her and she'll turn around and give you just a really big hug. She's like, thank you, my friend. I really appreciate this. Uh, but also you've cool. reminded me of something. I Ah, shit. I will be at the inn soon. Don't lock the door on me, please. And Tanner, if you'll allow this, she wants to, like, race over to see if she can catch the blacksmith before he closes. Okay. Kieran, did um, you want to say something? Yeah. Uh, I think that Star probably reacts faster than Karen can, so she might already be gone. But uh, I do think that, like, Karen's eyes kind of well up a little bit. As she's looking at it, and she's like, Wow, Bo, you really 
took my ask for help and put some thought into it. You know, you guys are my first real friends. Thank you. You're very welcome, and I'm very happy I get to share this with you. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I look Bo, forward to it. Bo, take a reroll for that. That was excellent. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah, that was good. great. Thank God you. Damn, I literally made up. I literally <laughs> made up the book just now, but uh, I wrote good down job. what I wanted to God say. God damn. Yeah, it was give great. A, give then, the reroll back then. But yeah. then <laughs> with, with um, the rosary, I've been thinking about that for like the past couple sessions. And then you start talking about all your your Dragonfire Isle stuff, and I was like, this would be probably a good moment to give it to you, because I've been trying to figure out when I wanted to, and then mm. I have. That's this, also... Like, but then it's like, you guys are like my core group that's left. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the other two are new, so it's like... <laughs> She's like just I offer you my friendship. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, well, I mean, Bo giving away some of those river rocks, that's kind of like a big deal, right? Oh, yeah. Like, and yeah. it's its definitely the rosary is like unique to Star, too, because it's like he handpicked these beads from like the shop as he was shopping and stuff. And um, it's definitely more colorful, except for the last couple are there. <clears throat> there's some of the the labradorite, which is kind of unremarkable until you hold it up to the light. But it's sure. uh, and they're a little bit darker, but they match and yeah. they're from his. So. I don't know mechanically the reason why Bo's eyes glisten certain colors sometimes, but I like to think that they glisten a little bit with the like rainbow colors here at this moment too. Maybe <laughs> that'd like be that. cool. Yeah, and I yeah. think Star but too. Again, like I don't know why they do that. So maybe that's not accurate. Yeah, well, <laughs> I want you to know too that the like that is definitely not lost on Star, um, and she is super super thankful of that. And um, I would hope that you could tell that by the the big hug that she gave. Oh you. yeah, she does plan. I think on she comes back a little bit. She comes back that. in the morning too, and she's like, oh yeah. I, Sold it for crack. <laughs> you ran um, off to sell it. Sorry. It. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you end up Starlit Moonbow. Mm -hmm. You race from the Dark Iron Inn, which is on the edge of the Hearth District and the edge of the Commerce District, which actually benefits you a bit. And you race on over to Helm's Helms. <laughs> and you see Helm Jr. locking up the place. He is pulling this iron door shut, sinking a key into it as you approach. And she says, I'm sorry to have caught you so late, but... Um, oh, God! Have my wallet! Take my money! <laughs> give, give me it. <laughs> but um, Star will... She'll say, I... This is not something I need immediately, but it was something I was hoping to leave with you and perhaps... Perhaps you might work on it, and I can't guarantee I will come back to retrieve it. I hope I will. If you hear of my death, please feel free to sell it, but... <laughs> and she hands over this, like, folded paper that she pulls out of a pocket, and it's, um, you know, kind of crumpled a little. <laughs> um, some of the lead is rubbed in, to, so it's smudged a bit, but it's uh, kind of a rough drawing of a circlet and uh, two armbands made of... I mean, she describes it a bit, but it's it's like, I want these to be more silvery, and I I still don't know where I'm going to get the stone, but if you have any contacts, it's uh, it's for someone very special, uh, someone I'm actually going to save. And uh, I can't offer you much now, but if you felt like working on it until the time I can return and buy it from you, I would truly, truly appreciate it. 
and uh, she hands over this paper. And I've I've shown you guys before, but I will give you that again at some point. But this is something a gift for Faya for when she's home. Well, normal operating hours are kind of over, but you guys did spend several thousand gold here today. You well, know, they like... say the circlet is just another helm. <laughs> I knew you were the right person for this. He unlocks I... the door and he's like, God damn it. And he goes back inside. <laughs> I got like confused and because I was being selfish. And I thought you were running off to get like bow something. And I was like, that's what I circlet, too, huh? That's a little, he's going to be very feminine. And there's little armbands and his little circlet. <laughs> and uh, he masculine circlets. Make it, yeah. make it a double on those, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I was like, oh, interesting. But that's cool. I for, totally forgot. It was for five other weeks. I'm so sense. sorry. No, no, like, no. I, I thought like about a, it, but I was like, damn. This is so just like, wait, you were like, oh, thank you. And you ran off and because it reminded you of a gift. And I was just yeah. like so confused. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Star wants to make something for you like you've made for her, for sure. But um, no, she. Uh, yeah. And she'll call after him. She's like, it, it, you don't have to rush. I don't know when I'll be back. And thank you again. And she actually does give him like the uh, I think like the 15 other gold gold coins that gold. she had. She's like, just. Yep. To get it going, but thank you again. I truly appreciate it. Um, okay. And you guys all return to the Dark Iron Inn. And you are tired. Your bellies are full. The hearth is warm. And with the promise of adventure ahead of you, you all find it pretty easy to sleep. Or, I'm sorry, you all find it pretty easy to slip into a deep sleep. Most of all you, Starlet Moonbow. At first, you dream of nothing. A comforting darkness. But slowly, you begin to realize that you are falling. Faster and faster. This Solid darkness around you becomes speckled with the light of stars and streaks of orange and pink nebulae. You fall and you fall for what seems like hours, days, months, years, centuries, in a dream that seems infinite. Until finally, a voice in your head whispers, You are not falling. It is all in your mind. Give me a will save. You need a better dice roller or something. I know. <laughs> uh, it just adds to the suspension. It does, yeah. it does. Uh, I actually got a natural 20 on that for a 33. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it only took half of my lifespan to get there, but you know. You immediately stop by the sheer will of your mind. And you find you are in full control as you write yourself and looking down at your fox-like hands, they're somewhat opaque. And behind you, an orange kitsune, a somewhat familiar face the one you saw 
in the ritual to save Kiara Nimone's soul, floats in this nether, his legs crossed in a meditative stake. We must speak, Mumbo. And we'll pick this up next time on the Reroll Gaming Podcast. Cool. Ah, so much cool shit is happening. <laughs> How's that for a feast? Huh? Pretty oh, fucking good. Feast on this fucking plot character development. <laughs> Eating good tonight. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Reroll Podcast. The world of Rel and all characters within are copyright and fictitious. Any similarities to persons, living or dead, or actual events are purely coincidental. Reroll Gaming uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. Used under Paizo's community use policy, we are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Reroll Gaming is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Want to follow us on social media? listen to another episode, or send us hate mail, check out our link tree for all our info. You can find that link in the episode description. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we can use in our games. The reroll main theme and all character themes are copyright Zingaring. The Chronicles of Rail theme and Frequency theme are copyright Tanner Prentice. Please consider donating to our Patreon or Ko-fi if you liked our content. We are hell-bent on making more, and with your support, we can make a lot more and leave us a review wherever you heard this episode. New episodes every Monday at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. See you then.